Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt. Sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Now, here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, great to be back with you. This is Jeff Hunt, the chief wagon boss of the Frontier Freedom Hour. You know, just about two weeks ago, we hosted the 2023 Western Conservative Summit, our 14th annual summit. And we bring in, I mean, these amazing speakers, nearly 50 nationally renowned speakers were here right in Denver, Colorado to discuss a whole wide variety of issues from a conservative perspective. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be featuring some of the top speakers on the Frontier Freedom Hour. This week, we're going to be hearing from Riley Gaines. Yes, Riley Gaines, the swimmer out there literally risking her life to protect women's sports from men. Like, how did we get here? Seriously. I can't imagine through all of my education, we'd be at a place where it's acceptable now for men to be competing in women's sports. And she's the swimmer from the University of Kentucky that is taking this head on. She's, you probably saw the video. She literally had her life threatened just trying to give a speech from these radical trans activists that see her, this female sports competitor, her as a threat. And she was the top-rated speaker at the 2023 Western Conservative Summit. And here is her speech. Riley Gaines. Hello. Oh, my gosh. First of all, let me just say what a blessing it is to be in front of a crowd that's not trying to kill me. Um, Really, to be in front of people who are so passionate about these issues that affect us as Americans, so passionate about America as a whole, it means so much. It's so inspiring to myself to know that we are the majority here. A little bit about me. This past year, first and foremost, I realized the quickest way to make God laugh in your face is to make plans for yourself. I graduated University of Kentucky last year with a degree in human health sciences and health law and had every intent on going into dental school. I actually wanted to pursue endodontics, which is root canals, weirdly enough. Why I wanted to do that, I don't know. But clearly, I'm not working on teeth. My, my life has been totally uprooted from what I thought I was going to do. Um, I realize what a disservice it would be, not only to myself, but to that next generation of female athletes, of females. The past generation of female athletes who fought relentlessly for Title IX And of course, the present female athletes who are silenced amidst all of the craziness that we're dealing with and what that craziness looks like. I started swimming when I was four years old. I graduated from the University of Kentucky when I was 22. So I dedicated 18 years of my life to my sport, which of course includes your sport-specific training, but also your weights, your diet, your sleep schedule, your physical rehabilitation, not to mention the social sacrifices. You don't get to go to prom. You don't get to have sleepovers with your friends on, Saturday, on Friday nights because you have practice Saturday morning at 6 a.m. You don't get to come home when you're in college for summers or Christmas or Thanksgiving. You're there all year. You get one week off in August, and that's it. But I was very fortunate to commit to the University of Kentucky where I proudly finished my career as a 12-time NCAA All-American, a five-time SEC champion, the SEC record holder in the 200 butterfly, making me one of the fastest Americans of all time, two-time Olympic trial qualifier, (laughs) 
SEC Scholar Athlete of the Year, SEC Community Service Leader of the Year, but really all of that to say that it's a lifelong journey to get to that point. And it really is impossible to put into words the amount of time, again, and the dedication and the sacrifices. But I made it there. I was um, very blessed my junior year. I finished seventh in the country. I knew I could do more. I, that's when I made it my goal to win a national title, which would, of course, mean becoming the fastest female in the country in my respective event. First of all, I want to mention we were partially robbed my, my collegiate career anyways because we dealt with COVID. My sophomore year, we were geared up, ready to go to national, our national championships, which is the fastest meet in the world. And about three days before we were supposed to leave in March of 2020, America shut down. And so we, we got sent home, which, we, as I mentioned, we never got sent home. So when I heard this news we were getting sent home, I was actually kind of excited. <laughs> Don't tell my coaches. Um, but I, I, got, I knew this, what this meant. I got to go home. I got to spend time with my family. But this excitement lasted all of 24 hours because I, I quickly realized I knew we would eventually have to come back, but there was no pools open. There were no gyms open. But I'm very fortunate to be from Tennessee where there's lots of lakes. And so every day I put on a wetsuit and swam miles aimlessly in this lake to continue improving. And that's what I did. And that's when I came back my junior year. Um, this is when I won my first SEC individual title. We won our first SEC championship as a team. Um, and that's when I finished seventh in the country. But as I mentioned, then and there, I knew I could do more, and I set my goal to become a national champion, which would, of course, mean becoming the fastest um, female in my respective event in the country. And I was right on pace to do that my senior year. About midway through my senior season, I was ranked third in the country, behind one amazing female swimmer who I knew very well, because like in most sports, your top-tier athletes know of each other, regardless of where you compete in the country. And so the girl in second I knew very well, but the person trailing the country by body lengths, I had never heard of before. And this is the first time that I became aware of a swimmer named Leah Thomas. And there was a lot of red flags. This was a senior from University of Pennsylvania, um, ranking first in the 100 freestyle and all of the freestyle events in between to the mile. And if you think about this in terms of your Olympic runners, this is like saying your best 200 meter runner was your best marathon runner which is, of course, very rare. Well, that doesn't happen. Um, lots of head scratching. I was talking to my coach, my teammates. We had no idea who this person was. There's this database called USA Swimming where you can look up past times, and I'm looking up Leah Thomas, and nothing pops up until that season. Never once occurred to me this was a male until an article came out disclosing very briefly in a blip of a sentence as if we were really supposed to just read right over it. Leah Thomas is formerly Will Thomas and swam three years on the men's team at University of Pennsylvania before deciding to switch to the women's team. I carried on with the article. And I read this, and I was shocked. I was so shocked. My coach was shocked. My teammates were shocked. My parents were shocked. But I really felt relieved because I looked up who Will Thomas was. And I saw that this was a mediocre male swimmer at best, ranking 462nd in the nation among the men. And that's why I say I was relieved, because I thought the NCAA would see this how I saw it, how anyone with a brain would see it. But that is not how the NCAA saw it. They saw absolutely nothing wrong with allowing Leah Thomas to compete with the women. And so I got to personally witness and feel the effect that this infringement, this injustice had on myself and my teammates and my competitors. I can wholeheartedly 
attest to the tears that I saw from the girls who placed ninth and 17th and missed out on being named an All-American by one place. And I can wholeheartedly attest to the extreme discomfort when you turn around in the locker room, there's a six foot four, 22 year old male disrobing, fully intact with an exposing male genitalia while you're simultaneously undressing. And I can wholeheartedly attest to the talks and the grumbles and the whispers because that's what they were, they were whispers of anger and frustration from these girls who just like myself had worked our entire lives to get to that meet. And so that first day of competition we watched on the side of the pool as Thomas swam to a national title, beating every female in the country by, again, body lengths. And keep in mind, swimming is a sport that's measured down to the hundredth of a second. So to have one person beating everyone in the country by body lengths, that doesn't happen. Um, and also keep in mind, these aren't scrubs. The, pe the people, the women that Thomas beat were Olympians, American record holders, the best swimmers, the best female swimmers this, this nation has ever seen, again by body lengths. And so that next day of competition was the day that Thomas and I raced. This was the 200 freestyle. We, if you don't know how swimming works, there's prelims and finals, and we both swam prelims and qualified top eight, and so we came back that night, and almost impossibly enough, we tied. We went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second which ties are, ties are rare when you're racing for a minute and 40 seconds to go the exact same time down to the hundredth. So you can't look at this situation and tell me God didn't have his hand in it. And so we tied and we go behind the awards podium where the NCAA official looks at Thomas and myself, Thomas, who's towering over me at, at six foot four, me being five foot six. And the official says, great job, but you guys tied and we only have one trophy. Uh, so we're gonna give this trophy to Leah. And so I questioned this, which was the first time anyone questioned anything the NCAA had done up until this point. And I said, okay, why? I know we tied, I know there's one trophy, but what's your, what's your thought process here? And I actually appreciate his honesty because he said, well, we're just gonna have to give the trophy to Leah because Leah has to hold it for pictures. Um, you can pose with this one, but you have to give it back. You go home empty-handed, Leah takes the trophy home, end of story. And that's ultimately what thrusted me over the edge into really just no longer being willing to lie. Because up until this point, I knew the unfair competition was wrong. Of course I did. I knew the locker room was wrong. But when they reduced everything that we had worked our entire lives for down to a photo op to validate the feelings and the identity of a male at the expense of our own, that's when I was done. Because up until this point, I waited I waited for a coach, I waited for an official, I waited for um, someone with political power, a parent, another swimmer, someone to say something, someone to stand up for us. But then it slapped me across the face in those, those moments standing on the podium. Some of you might have seen the picture where we're, we're posing with those little dinky trophies and I'm glaring at Thomas and he's just sitting there smiling, of course. How one can be proud of that, I don't know. but. In these moments, it, it slapped me across the face that if we as female athletes weren't willing to stick up for ourselves, we can't expect anyone to stick up for us. Um. We're up against a commercial break. We'll continue with Riley Gaines at the 2023 Western Conservative Summit when we return. You're listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Mm -hmm. 